You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, we're going to read some verses this morning from Luke chapter 17. If you've got a device or a Bible and you want to turn there, pull it up. I think it's really good sometimes when we're looking at the word to have it there in front of us and uh, get into the text and see what the Lord is saying to us. Just so while you're just turning there, finding that, I'll just take a moment to say thank you to all those who helped yesterday with the Elevate breakfast for our ladies. We had a, a, a team of ladies and a few gentlemen who came and helped to make it a phenomenal morning, a great time of connecting together and being encouraged together. So thank you. Wonderful. So Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. It says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And this morning I want us to consider this faith that Jesus mentions here. If you want a title for today, it's simply this courageous faith. Courageous faith. This is one of CLM's stated values, create courageous faith. It's part of our personality here at CLM. Now, I'm conscious that as soon as we use the word courageous, there's some of us in the room and we think, well, that's not me. I wonder who in the room here, just raise a hand if you think you are a courageous person. There's one or two. There are one or two in the first. We've got a handful, maybe five, six, maybe 10. Thank you. You can put your hands down, but there's not many of us Think of ourselves as courageous. There are a few of you wondering there, am I, aren't I? Shall I put my hand up? No, I'm not brave enough to put my hand up. If you're not brave enough to put your hand up, maybe not so much. I, but I think sometimes we misunderstand what courage is. In this age of social media where we see so much of what people do, we see films, we see things on big screens and people doing incredible, amazing, daring things. So we have these mental images of what courage is. And they're things like this on the screen here. That looks courageous, doesn't it? Anyone fancy a go at that? There's a few more as well. We'll see what these other people are getting up to. Whoa, anyone, anyone want to do that? There's a few. Wow, you are brave or mad. Um, what else? What else have we got? Tightrope. Ooh, anyone fancy a go at that? No, no takers for the tightrope. And finally, this is a, quite a famous, what's called a free climber. He climbs without ropes. His name is Alex Honnold, and he famously climbed uh, El Capitan. 
uh, free climbing with no ropes and is still alive, amazingly. There's an Oscar-winning film about it. You may want to look it up. It's, uh, it's fascinating. But these images of courage. Now, you can tell probably from the kind of things I've chosen, I'm afraid of heights. So as, as soon as you start talking about courage, I'm thinking, yeah, just don't make me go high. Don't make me go high. Not very good with that. But we all have things that we might be afraid of. And we can think that courage is the business of those who aren't afraid. And because probably most of us, we're very conscious of our own fears, and so when we start talking about courage, we think, well, that's not me. But actually, there is no courage without fear. The dictionary definition of courage says this, it's the power or quality of dealing with danger, fear, or pain. So if you've ever had in your life to deal with any danger or fear, or pain, the chances are you are pretty courageous, or at least you're learning to be courageous, because it's only in danger or fear or pain that we learn and grow in our courage. I remember as a young mom, when I just uh, first had Sam, he was quite small, he's my first child, and I had very high aspirations for my parenting. And one of the things I determined was that I was not going to pass on to him my fear of spiders. I thought, if he grows up and he has an innate fear of spiders, that's okay, there's nothing I can do about that. But I don't want him to learn that behavior from me. Because living in the UK, spiders aren't actually dangerous. I understand that, I just fail to respond accordingly. So this was a great aspiration until the day I was in the house alone with little Sam and saw hanging on a, one of the coats was hanging up in the hallway and on the back of it was this enormous spider. You know those big ones that come in from outside? Thick legs, big bodies, almost like they've got those two things sticking out of their heads. It was about that big. <laughs> on the, it really was. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? It was really that big. Anyway, it's there on the coat. It's one of those moments you're like, now what do I do? I don't want to go near it, but if I leave it, I could come back later and it's not there, and then I don't know where it is in the house. Or worse still, I forget, I go out in a rush, grab my coat, put it on, I've got the spider on my back. It could crawl up and go on my head, all sorts of things. You can tell I'm afraid. The mind goes into overdrive as to all the terrible things that could happen with the spider that isn't actually dangerous at all. Um, I get that. So I'm seeing it's there, I need to move it, and I've determined I'm not going to show my fear. What do you do? Well, I found a large tin and a very long stick, and very courageously with the tin and stick, I managed to get it as far from my body as I could into the tin and out of the house and removed it. I don't know if I showed my fear or not. Happily, Sam has grown up unafraid of spiders. I don't know if that uh, was because of how I went about times like that or if I've just been lucky. It could be either. But the thing, the thing that's great now is that when we have a big spider in the house, I can get Sam to come and he'll just pick it up in his hands and move it out of the house for me. So I've not dealt with my root issue at all, but in our household, we're good for spiders right now. So what's all this got to do with today's message? Well, at the heart of our relationship with God and how we interact with him is faith. Faith which the Bible describes as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see or do not see. Putting faith in what we do not see. 
In a world where we rely so much on what is seen, it's a difficult thing. And so often for us to genuinely trust in what we can't see, it requires courage. It requires the overcoming of fear. The fear of being wrong, the fear of being mistaken, the fear of if it doesn't turn out how I thought it might. And that's why courageous faith is one of CLM's values, one of the things that we hold as really important. And through these verses that we read this morning, I want us to consider what we can learn and how we can grow in courageous faith. And so I'm going to take us simply through five simple points that I see as I read the text here. So let's start at the first verse, verse 11, where we begin. It says simply, Jesus, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus was traveling along the border. We find Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. Martin made mention this morning, this week we're coming into his Holy Week. It's the week that build up to Easter. Today is Palm Sunday, when we remember Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. But it's good for us to call to mind why Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He's heading there because he'd come to earth ultimately to go to the cross. And he knew that it was in Jerusalem that he would face the religious leaders who were already opposed to him. It was in Jerusalem where he would be arrested and tried. It would be in Jerusalem that he would be led out and put on a cross and killed and carry the sin and the shame of all mankind for all time. And in the verse we read today, we find him on his way there, on his way to Jerusalem. We read it and it sounds like an incidental detail, a bit of information just to give you a bit of context. But it's actually critical, because Jesus here is modeling for us courageous faith. He's modeling what it looks like to trust beyond what is seen, to face danger, to face pain, to face probably fear, and yet to move towards it by being on the way to Jerusalem. He had faith in his father, courageous faith that his father was going to bring him through. You know, I find as I read through the Gospels and I will look at the life of Jesus, and as you see him intentionally choosing again and again to move towards Jerusalem, to go towards the cross, the thing that he'd come to do, I find it utterly inspirational how he trusts and walks in what he's been asked to do. There's a simple phrase in Luke 9, verse 51, that expresses this for me, and it says, At the time, as the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. It doesn't sound like a heroic verse, but here Jesus showing us that courageous faith is resolute, it's determined, firm in purpose or belief. Jesus was resolute about doing what he'd been asked to do, what he was sent to do. And so here we find him on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill what he had been asked. Friends, if we want to grow in courageous faith, if we want to follow Jesus, then we'll be those who resolve to do what he asks of us what God asks of us, what he says in his word, in the big things and the small things, the private things as well as the public things, the seen and the unseen. You see, courageous faith is resolute. 
We see it here in Jesus. It's always good when you see a trait in Jesus, you know it's one we should be emulating. So first up this morning, courageous faith is resolute. And secondly, from the text this morning, and maybe this is the point that I would most want to emphasize to us today, is that courageous faith goes anyway. Courageous faith goes anyway, in spite of the circumstances. And as we read this little account here, we find that Jesus meets 10 men. 10 men, we're told, with leprosy. Or if you read the footnote in your Bible, it'll explain to you that the word used for leprosy could be used for any infectious skin disease. It's not any better news, but that's just to give you the context. Now, for Jesus to be on the outskirts of some villages and to come across such a group on the border, it would probably not have been as much of a surprise as it might seem to us as we read the account. See, the Old, the Old Testament law had some strict rules about skin diseases. This isn't what you came for church, to church for this morning, is it, to hear about infectious skin diseases, but just stay with me. If you want the full detail on what the Bible says, well, Leviticus 13 and 14 lays it out in full. You can read that at your leisure. But in short, if you had something wrong with your skin, you had to go and show it to the priest. Not the GP, there was no walk-in center, it was the priest who dealt with skin. It was up to the priest to decide what was going on, and then to decide maybe if you needed seven days isolation, or if you were clear, or alternatively, you could be declared unclean. That was if you had an ongoing infectious skin disease. And if that was the case for you, you had to live alone outside the camp, outside the village, crucially separated from everyone else so no one else could catch it. And if you read the instructions in Leviticus, it gets slightly worse because they were told that if anybody came near them, then they had to shout, unclean, unclean, to warn anyone coming near that they were infectious. So for Jesus, being greeted here on the outskirts of the village by someone from a skin disease shouting, maybe was not altogether unusual. But what they shouted and what happened next was extremely unusual. Because instead of shouting unclean, they shouted something different. They said, Master, Jesus, have pity on us. And Jesus responded to them. He didn't ignore them. He didn't walk away. But interestingly, he didn't pray for them. He didn't command their healing. He didn't tell the disease to go. He didn't tell them they were healed or would be healed. He just gave them an instruction. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And this is interesting because this is exactly what they would have done if they had recovered. If they thought they were well or if they wanted to get checked out, this is what they would have done. And verse 14 tells us that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. The simple meaning of the Greek here, it says, in the going, they were cleansed. In the going. And we hear then about one of them who was healed, and it says of him, when he was healed, he came back. Now, what this makes clear to me is that when he set off, he wasn't healed. Because when he saw he was healed, he came back. It was only when setting off, it was only somewhere on his way, it was only, as the text suggests, in his going that he was healed. It seems that he set off 
to go and show himself to the priest before there was any sign on his skin that anything had changed. Before there was any sign that he was healed. Before he looked healed, he set off. And in the going, he was healed. And he went anyway simply because Jesus told him to. I wonder if you could just put yourself for a moment in the position of the man who's just been told by Jesus to go and show himself to the, to the priests. And I wonder if you could think, what would you be thinking? What would be going through your head? You'd be thinking, should I go? You'd probably be looking at your skin, maybe looking at the bits that were maybe most visible, maybe looking to see if there was any change. Is anything looking different? Maybe you'd be thinking, should I really go to the priest? What will the priest say? What if I'm not healed when I get there? What if I look the same? What will they say? And if I go, should I shout unclean on the way? Because normally I would have to, and I, I'm not healed yet, so do I shout it? And if I get there and I don't shout it, will I be in disgrace? Will I be cast out before I even get to the priest because I'm not behaving how I should be behaving? And what if I'm not healed and someone else catches it? What if I pass it on? Maybe I should just wait here and see what happens. That sounds like wisdom, doesn't it? Maybe I should just wait here and see what happens. Just wait for something, some sign, some change that something's going on. We would understand if he was thinking, I just need to see something before I move. We can identify with those kinds of thoughts, can't we? We probably all of us know many times where we have felt maybe we should step out into something but we ask all those questions and we look for something more before we act and so we do nothing. We know what Jesus has said, but we stay put. We don't go. And so we don't find what would have happened in the going. See, courageous faith has all those thoughts and goes anyway. It moves before it sees the change. It moves in response to what Jesus says. It's not waiting for what can be seen, but courageous faith goes anyway. Thirdly this morning, courageous faith makes way for a miracle. You see, it's because he went, it's because he, he moved that in the going he was cleansed. He acted out of courageous faith. Presumably it was the same for the other nine, although we don't hear anything more about them. It was because he did that that a miracle happened and he was healed. There's many times in the Gospels when we see Jesus healing someone. And Jesus often, he speaks or he acts. But here, that isn't what Jesus does. He just tells the man something to do. And it's up to the man to action it. It's up to him to step out in courageous faith and to do it and to make way for the miracle. In this account, as we hear in so many of the times when Jesus engages with people and heals them, he says these familiar words, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. His faith, his courageous faith made way for the miracle to happen as he did what Jesus told him to do. And it's an important distinction to make here that he did what Jesus had said to him. He wasn't acting out of presumption. He didn't presume that because Jesus could heal and because Jesus had healed that he would be healed and just set off to the priest. 
He didn't. He asked Jesus. He spoke to Jesus. And then Jesus told him what to do. And in courageous faith, he did what Jesus said. And in that sense, his faith, his faith in Jesus to activate what Jesus had told him made room for the God of the impossible to make him well. Tom Wright, in his commentary on Luke, which is well worth a read, Luke for everyone, he says this, faith here means not just any old belief, any generally religious attitude to life, but the belief that the God of life and death is at work in and through Jesus. And the trust that this is not just a vague general truth, but that it will hold good in this case, here and now. The courageous faith in Jesus makes way for a miracle. Fourthly, courageous faith is grateful. The one man that we really hear about in this story, we get told about, not just because he was of his faith and because he stepped out, but because he was grateful, because of his gratitude. He came back to say thank you. Now, of course, he should come back to say thank you. Most of us, we know this is simple, common courtesy. If you're a parent, you know that uh, simple, common courtesy doesn't just happen in people, does it? We have to teach it. We have to train it. How many times have you said to a child, what do you say? Thank you. But you have to draw it out and put it into them. But the text tells us that this one man, when he was healed, he came back. Praising God in a loud voice, it says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. We don't get told why the others didn't come back. It's possible that they didn't want to identify or be identified with Jesus. Jesus was already a watched man, a wanted man, if you like, at this point. Maybe they were just grateful, but just knew they wanted to steer clear. So they'd had enough trouble with sickness, they didn't now want to get into any further trouble. Perhaps, understandably, they were eager just to get back to their families. They'd not been able to live with them while they were ill and just wanted to make up for lost time. We, we don't know. But this one man came back with gratitude. And Jesus remarks upon it. That this one man who was also a Samaritan, assumed really to be an outsider to the things of God, and yet through his faith and through his gratitude, he enters in. There's a key for us to learn here, friends, this morning, that there's something of a rhythm of faith and gratitude that should be at the heart of every follower of Jesus. Now, gratitude feeds our faith and also completes our faith. Gratitude helps us to overcome the fear that so often opposes and undermines our faith. I think it's why Paul writes in Philippians 4 verse 6, he's talking about anxiety there, but anxiety and fear are very closely linked. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition and with, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And he goes on to say, and then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Thanksgiving. Someone not enjoying the sermon there. It's all right, they're going to get relief. <laughs> the truth is that for many of us, we, we get careless about our remembrance of what God has already done for us. We can forget the many times that God has helped us. I'm so glad that he gave us 
the table, the communion, the bread and the cup to remember, to do this in remembrance of me. Do you know, otherwise, we'd forget. I'd forget the wonder that he's given himself fully for me, for us, poured it out that we might be reconciled and paid for and brought back. But so often in our personal lives, we can not practice gratitude towards God for the simple things and the deep things like the cross. We can forget that he's rescued us, helped us, intervened for us, answered us, proved us time and time again that he's with us and he's for us. I don't know, maybe uh, like me, maybe you have a list of things that you regularly pray for, a list of situations or people. I hope that you do. It's a good way to help you consistently pray. But I want to encourage us that we should also have a list of things that we're grateful for. A list of gratitudes that we can come back to again and again because it feeds our faith and it overcomes our fear and it overcomes our anxiety. I want to dare you this morning to try this. Try it out. Make a list of all the things you have to be grateful for. Natural, spiritual, in your family, in your own life, in your heart. What God has already done for you that you see in the Bible and that you've experienced in your own life. Try it, and when you feel anxious, or when you feel fearful, go to your list. Rehearse it, speak it out, speak out thanks for it. You will find that it will change your perspective, vastly. It will change your perspective, because you'll remember that God has already shown himself again and again and again to be trustworthy and to be for you, and to use his might and his power on your behalf. So friends, if you want to grow in faith and in courageous faith, attend to your gratitude for what's already been given and done because you'll be surprised at how it grows your faith and overcomes your fear. Courageous faith is grateful. Fifthly, and finally of these five points, courageous faith brings us closer to Jesus. All of us want to be closer to Jesus, don't we? He's amazing. He's inspirational. He's the source of everything good. But today's account, it begins with a man in a group at a distance, calling out to Jesus. And he believed and he acted in courageous faith. He did what Jesus told him to do, and that made way for a miracle. And the man came back in gratitude. But the account finishes with the man not in the same place that he was before. Not just physically, but relationally with Jesus. It finishes with him up close to Jesus at Jesus' feet. You know, if any of us truly get up close to Jesus, we will be at his feet. He's speaking with him. It seems one-to-one. The outsider, the Samaritan, the foreigner, no longer at a distance, but right up close to Jesus. Because when we step out and we see what God does, it always brings us closer to Jesus. It strengthens our relationship. It strengthens our trust. It brings us back with gratitude again. It brings us closer to Jesus. Courageous faith is resolute. Courageous faith goes anyway. Courageous faith makes way for a miracle. Courageous faith is grateful, and it brings us closer to Jesus. You know, personally, I am challenged to keep growing in courageous faith. 
It's a challenge in my life, as I'm sure it is for yours. There's a, there's a few helpful pointers here this morning about courageous faith, things we can learn, things we can do. But I want us today as well just to come to a point of response. I want to bring us back really to my second point, that courageous faith goes anyway. I find the Lord continues to challenge me to go anyway. It's true that I've stepped out many, many times before, maybe over a 20, more, 20 year or more period, to trust, to forgive, to leave, to go, to walk away from a relationship that seemed good, but Jesus said something different, to give, to give more, to step out, to speak out. The truth is, I made a decision a very long time ago that I didn't want to be someone who didn't do things because I wasn't courageous enough to step out. Even though by nature I'm not a big risk taker. I just knew that I didn't want to live with the not knowing, with the regret or wondering of what would have happened if I'd stepped out. What would have happened if I trusted the God of the impossible? What would have happened if I'd done what he had said? I decided that wasn't going to be me. And for me, again, in this season of life, there's a number of areas where God's asking me to step out. I believe if we walk with him and follow him, he's going to keep asking us to step out. He's going to keep challenging us and drawing us into courageous faith because he's always drawing us on from the place where we're comfortable to step out further into what he's got for you. Do you know he has more for you to inhabit than you have yet even dared to believe? So he's always going to keep drawing you. It's not a season of courageous faith and then we're done. We've learned it. He's going to keep drawing us, growing us, building our trust in him. Every time, we have to decide to go anyway. It's beyond where I've been before and I've got to go anyway. What I find is that every time God meets me there, Every time I step out, it's not always how I thought it would look. It's not always exactly how I'd expected it to be, but he always meets me there. For those of you who've been to the sixth, you know we're, we're trying to make room for something new in the sixth. That's meant stepping out in courageous faith. It's meant going anyway. Now we want to see a breakthrough in healing. We want to see more of the gifts of the Spirit working. And I felt I should come and seek God and when I'm leading, have listened to him and then bring some things and speak them out of what I believe he said and what he wants to heal. That means coming with no signs, no guarantees, no backup. I can feel every time I could be wrong. I could be wrong every time. I could look stupid in front of a lot of people. I'm conscious I could even mislead someone, even out of the best intentions. You see, the questions and the thoughts, they don't go away. Even when you've been deciding over 20 years to go anyway, the questions still come. It'd be easier often, probably always, just to wait and to pray that God would move sovereignly and do it without me, without you. It always seems easier. I've learned that the questions and the thoughts, they'll always be there. But I choose to go anyway. I choose to go anyway. 
I choose to consider those thoughts and questions. They're part of the scenery that's on the road when I go anyway, but I've determined that they're not gonna be my destination. I'm not gonna stop there because they come. I'll hear them, but I'm gonna go anyway. Last week, coming to the six, I felt the Lord had spoken to me about three things. I'd spent a bit of time in prayer a couple of days before and written them down in my journal. I felt that he'd said something to me about someone with a problem with their toes, because they weren't aligned and so it caused them pain when they walked. I felt that he'd spoken to me about a cartilage problem in a right knee and about someone with an enlarged heart. And as I left the house, I picked up my journal that I'd written those things in, and as I picked it up, I thought, I wonder if I've made that all up. Because the questions still come. When you're trying to listen to God and be sensitive to his spirit, the questions are always still there but I've chosen they're just gonna be part of the journey. I'm gonna go anyway. And so we came and those things were spoken out. Some people came forward for prayer and our teams prayed. And a lady was healed of pain in her feet. About five years, she's had her toes weren't straight and the pain went as our team prayed for her. Two people who had problems with their right knee were healed last Sunday. What a joy and what a privilege to play a little part in God doing that, but I had to go anyway. There was nothing else to go on. I couldn't see anything, I wasn't sure of anything, just a sense that maybe God had spoken to go anyway, but it takes courageous faith to be resolute, to go anyway. It makes room for a miracle. It's grateful and it brings us closer to Jesus. Friends, there's many of us here today with all kinds of situations and circumstances around our lives. Maybe you know that Jesus had said something to you, either written in his word or he's spoken it directly into your heart or brought something from the word of God alive to you, but you've been waiting for something more or something further before you move. You're like the man thinking, just saying, well, shall I just wait? I need a bit more to go on. Actually, I want to encourage you this morning to step out in courageous faith and to go anyway. If you know he's spoken to you, go anyway. Decide to do it anyway. Trust anyway. Forgive anyway. Share your story with that person anyway. Tell them about Jesus. Offer to pray for someone at work. I know you don't know what will happen. I, don't, I know you're not sure if God's really said that or if it's just an impression. Just do it anyway. Step out into that thing that you know God has spoken to you about because you know it's for now because he's made it clear to you. So go anyway. Put right that area of your life. Get it in order. Line it up with the word of God. Leave something behind if you know that's what God's spoken to you. Go anyway. Or if he's telling you to wait, wait anyway. When you step out in courageous faith, it always makes room for God to meet you part way. And it makes room for a miracle. And it will bring you closer to Jesus. So as I finish this morning, I want to invite us to bow our heads and to respond. I want to invite you, maybe you know that God is speaking to you this morning, stirring your heart. Because you know you want to be someone who goes anyway who trusts in his word and steps out. Or maybe you know there's a particular situation where you need to go anyway. And if that's you this morning, I just want to invite you to stand where you are. 
as people's heads are bowed. Just stand to your feet and respond to the Holy Spirit as you're saying, I want to be someone who goes anyway. I want to respond to what Jesus has said and not hold back. It's wonderful. People standing up all over the, all over the room. Just stand to your feet if that's you. And in just a moment, we're going to pray for you. Don't worry about what people think. They've got their heads bowed. But if you know the Holy Spirit's stirring your heart this morning, just stand to your feet before I pray. Thank you. Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you that you sent Jesus. And thank you that first and foremost, Jesus models this to us and you call us to follow as he has walked in a resolute, courageous faith. And I pray for every brother and sister standing this morning, the Father, as they stand and say, I want to be someone who goes anyway, that you would find them to be someone that you can use and work in and work through as they step out and respond to what you have said. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd meet them this morning at this point of decision and you'd minister to them. I pray you'd help them to rise up and to step out, to not hold back. Help them to do what you've said. Help them to trust. Would you give them great joy as they find you meeting them, coming through for them as they do so, and bringing them closer to you, commit them to you in Jesus' name. I wonder if everyone would stand together. Let's stand I'm going to pray for all of us, that each one of us would keep growing in courageous faith. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit in us, who grows us, who reminds us of your greatness, of your love for us, and that you're for us. And we thank you, Lord, for so many times when you have helped us and come through for us. And we want to pray this morning that you'd help us to be a people who continue to grow in courageous faith. We would not be of those who shrink back, but of those who have confidence in you and step out when you speak to us. Help us to be those who trust you and follow you. Help us to be those who keep in mind that you are the God of the impossible, that you can do all things. Help us to be those who step out into everything that you have for us, that we might fully inhabit the expansive plans and future that you have for us. Help us to be resolute. Help us to go anyway. Help us to be grateful for all you've already done. And we pray as we do so, we may see many miracles in our lives and we would find ourselves growing ever closer to you, our wonderful Savior, King, Lord, and Master. Amen.